Hi there, and welcome to the latest edition of the Net Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by Fans for Fans, where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 256 of the Net Podcast. I'm your host tonight. I'm Colin Armstrong. As I say every week, guys, it's not just the pod that we have available here at Net. If you get yourself on the website, you'll find the forums there. There's articles. Frankie's got his social media. Obviously, there's a history archive on the website as well, so, so get yourself onto that. We would always ask you to... And, uh, Promote the pod, uh, pod, promote the pod as well if you can. Put the word out there on social media. Tell your friends what we're doing, uh, and subscribe to the U channel, uh, YouTube channel if you haven't already. Uh, before I bring my guests in, I will have to mention our partners at Forest Precision Engineering, who are a subcontract Glasgow-based engineering company. They've been a big commercial supporter of Rangers Football Club for many, many years. Uh, we're delighted we're back in the pod. If you want more information about them, visit their website at www.forestprecisioneng.com. You can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, which is a stunning hospitality area within the main stand. For information on this uh, and how to book it, this, it's a unique and intimate space. Email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk. So time to bring in my guests. Uh, I'll bring in Ross first. Uh, how are you, Ross? How's things? Yeah, very well, thank you. Very well indeed. How about yourself? Not bad. Did you get a good result yesterday? No, we got pumped 4-0. 4-0. Oh. Yeah. Difficult one, but and, you know we're still one point outside the playoffs, all to play for. Five games to go. It's getting exciting. Getting exciting. I would, I, I, well, we're talking off air there. I've still not had my my hospitality invite yet. Is, is, is it is it because of the 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 postal strikes and all this kind of stuff? Is it just got lost in the that, post? Yes, that is exactly it. No, we um you were actually sold out for the whole season. So I just squeezed you in if I could. Okay, okay. Yeah, aye, I've heard that excuse before. Uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, 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 a, a bit of a poor excuse here, Craig, would you not agree? Absolutely. I mean where's where's the work ethic? I've been I've been hard at work all all weekend, a game yesterday, a game today. I'm absolutely happy as Larry. Could not be happier as they say in the scheme. <laughs> so so how are you getting on, okay, yeah? So I you know, you've you were at the game today as well, were you not? Yes, I was at the the B team old film game Ella, which was um, an experience to say the least. Um, Masonic refs that. again? Oh, aye, aye, aye. As I'm I'm calling it the worst conspiracy theory ever. Now that's uh, that's a new tagline. Um, dodgy penalty given at Dingwall today, and Rangers reduced to eight men and an old firm derby. So aye, some conspiracy on that. Nah, it's very it's, it's a good conspiracy. It's the best conspiracy I've ever seen. I've got to be honest with you. But there we go. We'll not get bogged down in that. We'll focus on uh, yesterday's game and 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 a wee look to to next week against that mob. Uh, at Celtic Park. Uh, Ross, I'll come to you first. You know, in, in terms of, uh, 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 before I'd done the show, the, the sort of immediate post-match show week yesterday, you know, we're kind of saying, what are we going to talk about? You know what I mean? It was a bit of a non-event of a game, you know, fairly routine win uh, against a very poor uh, Dungeon United side. We'll come on and talk about them a wee bit later on, have a wee laugh at their expense. Uh, but, you know, we got the job done. I think that's 10 straight wins in the league for, for Michael Beale. Uh, so, job done, but aye, a bit, a bit of a non-event, really. Yeah, or you can end the podcast there, because we've pretty much summed <laughs> up the entire game. Uh, it was a non-event. Um, a couple of really good performances. I thought Tillman, again, was, was excellent. I thought Cantwell looked really lively. Um, other than that, it was all kind of just fine. Um, mm. we, I, so, I listened to the um, Sports Sound podcast today, um, Michael Beale was giving his interview to the BBC and he sort of said, look, we're, 
we are creating opportunities. I think you know, something like 28 shots, seven shots on target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the problem's not about creating opportunities. Maybe we need a bit more luck. Maybe we need to be a bit more clinical and finish things off. Um, so uh, I th- you, we, we talk a lot about Scottish football teams coming to Ibrooks and parking 10 men behind the ball and being really negative and just trying to contain and low block and all of that thing. Dundee United probably did the most extreme version of that I'd ever seen yesterday. They had no interest in pressing. Um, they had what one, one or two opportunities in the first half. Um, I think Peter Pollock could have squared it to, could have taken a shot, but he tried to square it to Fletcher. And uh, was it Sibold as well? Had a sort of uh, a weird strike that, that nearly found the top corner. Other than that, they had no interest really in, in, mm-hmm. in trying to score a goal. So um, one of those difficult, annoying. Saturday 3pm games where it was just a case of we'll just get through it the three points were absolutely never in doubt I've seen quite a lot of criticism actually of us on, on social media and from fans saying that it wasn't good I wouldn't agree with that I, uh, I wouldn't it, agree with that either no I think it, I, I would agree with you it's not that it wasn't good it wasn't exciting but it was it, it was exactly what we needed to get through that game um, and, and really come away with no complaints yeah, I mean, it's. I, I was looking at the stats when I was sort of pulling together the the agenda for tonight, and the, the twenty eight shots thing is interesting because it does point to the strikers. I think you know what I mean, but we've not really pumped a team yet, if, if you know what I mean. And I'm looking at the strikers and I think you know, for example, I think somebody like Chris Boyd would would score quite a lot of goals in that team. So yeah, there was maybe an issue. Or maybe pointing to where where uh, Bill will want to strengthen in the summer. I don't know, but yeah, the, the fact that we're having creating so many chances, and I don't think it's just yesterday we've done that. You know, we've done this in quite a lot of games recently, creating a lot of chances, but still not really pumping teams. You know, when you look at the goal difference between us and them, you know, if, if we dished out a few more pumpings, you know, because the feeling is even if we do, you know, eat into that nine point gap, which I think is pretty much not going to happen now. Uh, you've still got that massive goal difference to overcome as well. So, yeah, I think that's something that needs to be addressed. Uh, Craig, I mean, in, in terms of the atmosphere at Ibrox yesterday, uh, it kind of points to what we're talking about there. You know, I, 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 I thought the place was quite flat. Uh, it, it's almost as if, you know, the first game back from international duty, it felt to me yesterday that there was just a kind of acceptance that we're not going to pull back that nine points, you know, there's been a couple of opportunities where Celtic have come close to dropping points and it's not quite happened. You know, I think that game in January against them, if we'd beat them then and got it down to the six, then it then it's then it's still on just now because obviously we've still got to play them twice. I just think we eight games to go against a team that's only only been beat once, I think, in two or three draws or something like that. You just you just look at it and think eight games isn't enough. And it kind of felt like that yesterday. And it, and it just kind of, I think it impacted on the, the, the mood of the whole game and, and, and maybe even a wee bit of the, the performance of some of the players. Yeah, it probably did, Colin. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing coming out of that game yesterday is, as you say, 10 wins in a row under Bill. We're coming out of every game saying the same thing, pretty much, you know. Yeah, you know, performance was okay, decent, done enough to get through, got the win, that's the main thing, still nine points behind. So it's yeah. like, you know. Um, it's, it's, been, it's, it's, been, it's been the same stuff since Bill came in, you know what I mean? We're yeah. winning, we're winning, we're winning, but so are they, you know yeah. what I mean? So we're doing everything we can, but we're, we're just not eating into it. Yeah, and I mean, look, 
I know obviously you mentioned the game in January there. To be honest, with the goal difference that Celtic had, Bill was in pretty much an impossible position because really he could have came in and won every single one of his league games until the end of the season, which he's nearly done so far mm-hmm. and who could still finish second. So kind of on a hiding to nothing for him. I think, you know, like many people, that that league was lost, you know, and that one week in November, um, St. Johnson, St. Mirren, um, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's one of those things. In terms of the strikers, I think it's a, a really interesting point because I was saying to my pal yesterday, there's only one thing worse than going into a Celtic game with one misfiring striker, and that's going into a Celtic game with two misfiring two. strikers. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe maybe it'll mean that, that something good will happen. Um, next week, hopefully it does. You never know, but it's just it's not looking good for them I think it'll be very very interesting to see Bill's selection next week because I know there's been talk of Tillman playing up front I don't think he can play up front you know as a lone striker the way that Choak or Morelos can but maybe you know moving him higher up to to play with a Choak and Morelos and moving to a a three at the back kind of like we've seen well we've seen towards the end of the last three games I think Um, so that might be something that he looks to do next week just for a week change um, but yeah one of those things chips chips and him as they say yeah yeah it's uh, Ross you mentioned uh, Malik Tillman earlier on and, and he probably is the main talking point for this game because uh, as, as I said it was a, a pretty non-eventful game you know another two goals uh, from him you know I think that's six games uh, sorry six goals in the last six games from 12 for the whole season you know I, Again, I said to my son yesterday when when he scored the second, I was like, because I, I do still see some supporters like on Twitter and stuff like that saying he's not doing enough. I was like, I don't, I just don't get people that don't get how good a player this guy is. I, I, I genuinely think he's top drawer. Uh, but I, I was looking at Beale's comments after the game. You know, he seemed a wee bit cautious in his optimism in terms of you know while he stay. Obviously, we've got. You know, first refusal. I think it's five million or something like that is the figure that's been quoted. However, I believe that if a cl- another club comes in and offers more, then it can go there. So it, there's certainly nothing guaranteed in terms of Tillman coming to Ibrox uh, in the summer. If that doesn't happen, he's going to be a loss because you know you're going to have to go out and find someone of a sort of similar talent, you know, similar level in terms of his ability, and. I, I don't think that'll be easy, you know what I mean? Because I do, I think it's a special, special player. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a no-brainer at this point that we should be trying to get that deal done. Um, I, I've heard this, similar things that you've heard, the five million fee, but the, it's, even if we want to pay five million for him, that doesn't make it a done deal. Yeah. Um, I, I think Bayern have the option to almost buy that clause out. So I think uh, they, they can they can pay a bit of money to cancel that that, that clause. I think I agree that also other clubs could come in and, and pay more and, and that wipes our clause away. Um, he's a very good player. He's worth more than £5 million to us in the resale market. If we look at the, the, the player trading model that we want to implement, he's exactly the kind of profile of player that we should be targeting. And he's the kind of player that we can bring in at £5 million, develop and sell on for at least double that. So, um, yeah, the, the, the fans at the moment who are saying they don't see what he brings or, or that he doesn't do enough, um, I don't know what more you would want him to do. He does exactly what what his role is. Um, I think you've seen a, a massive change in him since since the new manager came in and took over and and freed him up or, or, or played him in a different role. Um, so I think he's I think he's been our 
standout player, definitely player of the season for me. Um, and I, I hope we can go and 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 get that deal done. And as you say, not not uh, not a foregone conclusion by any stretch of the imagination. What I would also say is, I think that this deal has shown the value of getting the right players in on loan. Loans are risky and loans are divisive because we're arguably developing another team's talent rather than developing our own. And there's no guarantee that they will work out. And if they don't work out, then we're paying a wage for someone to sit on the bench. But we've paid, uh, obviously, a, I don't know, a, probably a percentage of this guy's salary uh, with the rest being covered by Bayern. We haven't paid a fee to bring him in. Um, and we've kind of got a try before you buy situation going on. It's been very, very fruitful. So, um Ross Wilson and the scouting department get a, a lot of, of criticism. Um, arguably, much of that is, is deserved, and I'm sure we'll come on to talk about that. But um, this has been a very good piece of business for Rangers, even if it doesn't go any further in the summer, even if he goes elsewhere or buy and take him back. Um, he's had a very successful season for what I suspect is probably fairly minimal outlay. But be yourself, Craig, how are you feeling about Tillman? I mean, I, I'm... <sighs> Maybe it's just my natural cynicism, I don't know, but I'm starting to get the fear that other clubs will be looking at him and thinking he's worth more than five million, if you know. I mean, I think we could be in for a fight in our hands. Um, I don't really know the actual details, or should I say, I can't confirm the actual details of the structure of a possible deal. Um, You know, it would be stupid of me to come out and say, I know this and I know that when I don't. Um, But I think we'll get him. I've got a good feeling about it. Um. You know, Bill was asked directly, do you get the feeling that Tillman wants to be here? And he just said straight up, yes. And then didn't even go into a, a new sentence. It was just yes. And then the journalist asked another question on that situation. So in my opinion, if the player wants it to happen and the club wants it to happen, you know, why shouldn't it be done? Um, you know, I, I don't know anything about the structure and stuff like that. It's all hearsay, it's all rumours in terms of, you know, possible transfer um, fees or, you know, buyback clauses, that's that and the next thing. At the end of the day, n- nobody knows, so there's probably no point in speculating over it. But in my opinion, if the player wants it to happen and the club wants it to happen and there's already an agreed fee in place, I think we know that because Bill's confirmed it, that there's already a, a fee basically agreed at the end of the season if we want to take it up um, so if if both of those things align I don't see why it can't happen um, but I really want this guy to stay, I think he's quality um, I think I kind of mentioned it yesterday, it's like the people that are saying they don't want him, I think they're just looking for attention at this point because it's like, what, what do you know Like one criticism which I suppose is possibly justified not his work Ethic, but oh, he's not done it against Celtic. Well, get f- three games against Celtic left this season to show that. And to be honest, even if he doesn't do it against Celtic, is that such a big deal? Because a league's won over 38 games, not four. And I know obviously the way that things are going, the old firm games are becoming increasingly important in terms of, you know, winning cups and winning championships. But you need players that are going to do what we do what he did yesterday, for example. You're playing against. You know, 10, 11 men behind the ball. You need somebody to create that space. His second goal, I know the first goal was quality in terms of the wee lay on by Cantwell. Absolute quality. But for me, the second goal was the best one because Tillman gets the ball and it's almost like he sees things in slow motion. He slows everything down. 
he stops, he does a kind of fake shot, so to speak, and he waits until he gets that perfect wee bit of space in between the Dundee United defenders' legs and it's in the back of the net. That's something that I don't think anyone in this squad has got the quality. Probably the closest thing is Hadji, but I think Tillman's better at that sort of that killer instinct um, in terms of actually getting a goal. Hadji's more of a, an assist provider. So... In terms of the deal, I want him to stay. I'm desperate for him to stay. If the player wants it and if the club wants it, I don't see any reason as to why it can't happen. And see, see the criticism in terms of he's not done it against Celtic. I would, I would argue that we've not done enough in these games to provide the conditions for him to play. Well, yeah, you know, we've, I, we've, I we've kind of been on the back foot a couple of times. You know what I mean? And I, th- I think, especially the game, especially the cup final. I think we started with the wrong team and we just couldn't get the guy into the game. We couldn't get the ball down and play. And I I would hold back in that criticism. I think part of the, the issue is with the the fans that have a go at him is his kind of language style. You know, you get your supporters that just want players to look like they're running about all the time. And by the way, he is running about. He's just got a very sort of languid way of doing it. So, uh yeah, I, I, I don't get the criticism of him. I really don't. I think he's I think he's a top draw player, I must admit. So, uh, I'm with you. Hopefully he stays. I've, I've just got a slight fear, I must admit. Hey, Ross, uh, Auntie Todd Cantwell, you know, the assist for the first goal yesterday I thought was was really impressive. Uh, that's his second assist. I think he's had eight appearances now. Two assists, one goal, and just every game you, you get the feeling that he's starting to grow in confidence and stature, and, and starting to you know really put it on now. And you know, I think we, we we can all agree it's looking unlikely for the league. We've already got one eye on next season, and he looks like he could be you know a key part of that 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 push next season. Absolutely, absolutely. I think um, it, you know what? It's it, it's funny. He he already seems like one of those players that gets it, you know, seems to enjoy playing for Rangers, seems to have bought into the buzz. Um, his family are very vocal on social media about how much they're enjoying coming up and watching him play um, and, and being a part of it. When when we were first linked with with Todd Campwell, I was, uh, I did a Jersnet podcast and I sort of said I had some concerns because um, he'd spent some time away from the Norwich first team lighting issues like feeling too much pressure. Um, and struggling with the, the you know eyes on him and social media and that kind of thing, and I felt that coming to Rangers was was not the right environment for someone you know who struggled with those kind of issues. Uh, he seems to be thriving in at Rangers. He's clearly, uh, technically speaking, one of the best players in the SPFL, and uh, he's he's moved into a team that allows him to exhibit those skills on a weekly basis. Um, his his assist for the first goal uh, yesterday was was brilliant. Um, there have been little moments of, of real class from the boy. Um, obviously got his first goal a couple of weeks ago over at Third Park. He's, he's chalking up some assists now. Um, I often think that January signings are they're regularly brought in with one eye on the next season. So we bring them in and give them six months to bed in and, and get them ready for the next campaign. Um, and he's not taken any time to settle at all. He has slotted in perfectly. Um Again, it looks like a decent piece of recruitment, whether that's a McBeal signing or a Ross Wilson signing, I don't know. But if it's the kind of player that we want to identify and, and, and target going forward, um, no, no complaints from me so far. Uh, Craig, Alan McGregor, uh, man of the match yesterday. 
which was a hoot. Uh, 500th appearance for the club yesterday. Uh, it was obviously, as I said, he was named man of the match, uh, despite not having a safety make, I don't think. Uh, but that one that maybe went over the bar, I think that was the only thing he had to deal with. Uh, he's also been uh, rewarded with a testimonial now. Again, uh, I've seen some dissenting voices on this because of the fact that, you know, he left the club in 2012 and he's came back, so, you know, he shouldn't be getting one, he wasn't loyal, all that kind of thing. So I, I wanted to talk about one McGregor, you know, I, I do think he deserves some sort of recognition. I think there's a very strong argument to say he, he could be the best Rangers goalkeeper ever, you know, in terms of, you know, lengthy service, the fact that he's he was between the sticks in, a, in two campaigns that got us to European finals, okay. I don't think he played in the semi-final and certainly didn't play in the final in 2008, but he was a large part of that campaign and made several key saves. You know, he was he was obviously part of the, 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 the run to Seville. I've seen the, the, the UEFA Twitter account put out a tweet the other day there of a series of his saves and you're watching them like, wow, you know what I mean? He has, he has, he's had some serious saves in, in campaigns down the years. So I would argue he's definitely, you know, people certainly in my lifetime would always point to Gorham. I think length of service tips the scales in favour of McGregor. So in terms of McGregor, I mean, a huge and and great servant to the club. However, uh, this isn't a a criticism of McGregor, but I I just wonder in this day and age uh, at top flight clubs with the money that's involved in that, are testimonials really required anymore? Because when I was growing up, testimonials were all about giving someone who earned more than the average man in the street, but not enough that set him up for life. So testimonials were about, there's a few bob, away and go and buy a pub or a post office or a news agent or something like that. I don't, I mean, I don't know what McGregor's doing with the money, so I might be speaking out of turn. You know, there's, it's maybe been quoted that it's going to charity or something like that. But it does feel that someone who's earned that amount of money over a long period of time doesn't deserve a, 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 a big payoff. And I'm not just making this about McGregor. I think footballers at the top flight in general, when I hear when I hear them getting testimonials, I'm like, do you really need a testimonial? You know, you're pretty, you should be set for life. Uh, so, McGregor, great guy, but does he need a testimonial? I think it's a weird one because I, I genuinely just think it's part of a pre-season punch, to be honest, and I've just branded it as a testimonial. I don't... I actually never thought about the money thing until you you kind of mentioned it there. I don't. I mean, in the press release about the uh, the the testimonial, there certainly wasn't any mention of or you know McGregor's going to get this or something's going to go to Charlie or whatever. I would imagine that if there were, that obviously there will be proceeds for the game. It will either just go down as a normal friendly you know game at Ibrox or if there is extra money to be made it'll probably go to charity and you'll see McGregor be presented with a kind of trophy like he did um, with John Gregg yesterday um, I, I think it's probably just you know the you know the symbolism of a testimonial someone that a guy of his ilk deserves um, and he, he is a Rangers great um, I think there's a lot of similarities and I'd be interested to see what you make of it between Walter Smith and Alan McGregor in the sense that first time round, yeah, great, brilliant, probably already a legend, but second time round is what makes you a true great of the club and one thing about not just that UEFA video, but obviously Rangers released a video with you know McGregor's best saves. The weirdest thing about it, or not weird, but well, I it was weird because 
most of those saves were from like the last two or three years when the guy's 40 plus nearing 40 it's incredible um you know Lundstrom yesterday spoke about he comes in two hours you know early pretty much every day you know and standards like that you know you don't get that in modern football anymore it's certainly very rare to get it um and i know look, most people agree his time's probably up maybe it is but you know that that guy's an absolute legend and you know he he really will be missed from this squad once once the time comes which probably will be at the end of the season although going by Stephen Closs uh, message to him yesterday he wants him to stay for another 500 games so aye that'll be interesting yeah, I think Kenny Miller was arguing to get him another year as well. <laughs> I heard that. But anyway, uh, Ross, what about you? I mean, I, I mean, the, the, the thing that Craig mentions there, and I don't think it's something he gets a lot of credit for, is that sort of professionalism. You know, he, he does set high standards. If anything, he's, he's got a bit of a reputation for being a bit of a bam. You know, likes a, likes a drink, obviously likes the woman, or, or did anyway, right? Uh, but, you know, that's not the case. You know, the guy does set seriously high standards and meets them. You know, and, and, and the fact that he's still playing at, at, at this age, you know, was he 40, 41 now, is testament to that. But again, on the, on the testimonial thing, it's, it, it just feels, and again, this isn't about McGregor, it's absolutely not about McGregor. I think he's a Rangers legend. It's just it's just where football is now, you know, the level of finance and the level of uh, remuneration that's available to players at certain clubs. You just look at it and think, oh, that, that feels slightly uncomfortable to me. Yeah, I, I agree with Craig. I don't think um, I don't think any of that's really to do with money. This testimonial, I think, it's just a ceremonial congratulations. Probably a reason to sell more tickets to, to a preseason friendly, um, and 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 nothing else. And uh, I, I feel Colin that we're straying away from an Alan McGregor point into a kind of Colin Armstrong rant against modern football. Is that would that be fair to say? No, at all. I'm just asking the question, <laughs> and, and 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 I'm asking it in a way that gives McGregor the kudos. Some he, he deserves the recognition. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, he doesn't deserve a big payday though. <laughs> no, I, I I doubt he'll get a big payday out of it. I doubt he's walking away with a, a check or a bag of cash. Um, and I suspect if he did, the club would probably make a song and dance about how the money's being donated to charity. So, um, yeah, just he's he's been brilliant. I'm just looking up there that he made his first team debut for Rangers in February 2002. That is 21 years ago. Um, I was 10 when Alan McGregor made his debut. So You uh, have had a rough paper round, boy. <laughs> no. But it means that I, in, in footballing terms, or in my footballing life, I've grown up with him as the Rangers goalkeeper. I was, as, as we know, a, a sort of five or six year hiatus in the middle of that. But um, he's been a real consistent part of, of my Rangers fandom and he is a legend, he is a Hall of Famer absolutely deservedly um, he all of that being said he's passed his best in to my mind, um, he's still a very very good shot stopper but we know his weaknesses when it comes to things like high crossballs into the box um, and we can and should do better, it's often said there's no room for sentiment in football um, and I believe we have to be kind of parting ways at the end of this season. I felt like everyone thought he was going at the end of last season with the, the cameo in the Scottish Cup final. Um, and, and, you know, a couple of weeks later, we find out he's actually sticking around for another another season. I think it's time now. I think he'll probably agree it's time and, and, and move away. And 
Um, it's a really vital piece of recruitment because it's it's a piece of recruitment that we haven't had to do since Stephen Gerrard came back to the club. Uh, and and uh, sorry, when Stephen Gerrard came to the club and brought Alan McGregor back to the club. Um, but you think about some of the goalkeepers that we had in the sort of five years leading up to there, you know, the, the, the Cammy Bells and the... Please don't, Ross. Yeah, would you know, I mean, it's Cammy Bell, Steve Simonson, all of that kind of gang. Or Wes Fodringham obviously being a, an exception, but um, we had some poor goalkeepers and this is a really, really vital piece of recruitment for us going forward in, in, in the rebuild. So I, I I think it's time to go, even on a practical level, Alan McGregor will be on a pretty hefty salary. And we're going to need every penny of that to reinvest into a top quality goalkeeper next season. Kenny Miller, as you, as you say, Colin, was was making the point on Sound that keep Alan McGregor and bring in another number one and let the two of them compete. Uh, spending that much money on two number one salaries is it's just not feasible for a club like Rangers anymore. So um, a massive legend, hero in my eyes, a Hall of Famer, absolutely deservedly. I'll be travelling up for his testimonial um, but it's time to go. The, the the point you made about like when when he when he had his debut, you know, you were ten. You were saying, like, my son, my son's eighteen in May, right? And if it wasn't for two thousand and twelve and everything that happened at, at that uh, subsequent point, there's every chance, in my opinion, that Alan McGregor would have been the Rangers goalkeeper for the whole of my son's eighteen year lifespan. You know what I mean? It's just it's it's possible that. He would have not have known any other Rangers goalkeeper other than Alan McGregor. So he does he does deserve recognition and all the rest of it. Absolutely. He's a he's a Rangers legend in my eyes. Uh, very dedicated professional. Uh, and I'll, I'll, we will miss him when he goes. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And as you say, we need to get a, a solid replacement in. Uh, but I do agree. I think I think it is time. Uh, time for him to go. Uh, on to the, the sort of three five two thing, Craig. You know, it's one it's one of the things that Bill's been talking about. Uh, and his pressers and all the rest of, you know especially the Suter coming back recently he went to that towards the end of the game yesterday when, it, when he brought Suter on 3-5-2 and you know I heard a lot of people saying oh do you think he'll go for it next week I hope not if I'm being honest I, I don't know if that's the game to start with 3-5-2 to, to sort of tinker with a, with a defence it seems to be playing not too badly at the moment but there does seem to be a suggestion, given the personnel that he's got, that that's something he, he might do. How do you feel? Do you think this is just something that'll be an option in games, you know, to see games out or whatever, you know, bring on an extra centre-half and, and thinking about with the system? Or is this maybe something that Beal's looking at as this will be your main formation, we'll go for three centre-halves uh, and take it for there? Long-term, it may be. But I think short-term, we just don't have the bodies to play three at the back because we've got four fit centre backs. So if you're playing three of them and, you know, two get injured or one's injured and one suspended, you're then going to have to do what we done a lot of last season, play Lundstrom at centre back. I think you probably done it this season as well. We actually done it yesterday um, towards the end of the game. So right now I've just not got the bodies to do it consistently. I think it's something that, you know we might see it next week. I mean, in, in one game, in a one-off game, I know you're saying it's not the time to think of it, and I think most people would agree, but at the same time, we've already kind of admitted that the league's, the league's done, you know, why not just try something new against Celtic? If you look at how we've performed, you know, two of the last three games at Celtic Park anyway, been absolutely rubbish. That, and that's been nice. Um, so, maybe, maybe do something different, you know, maybe that'll um, change things a wee bit. I think 
what's really crucial about this um, game next week is getting Tillman on the ball for me, getting him closer to Morelos or Cholak, whoever it will be, because the last game at Celtic Park and at Anfield, he was hung out to dry, um, played out of position on the right wing as an actual winger, not even like an inverted forward or anything like that. Um, so long term, maybe, um, you know, short term, I think it's probably just something that, you know, maybe to see out a game or, you know, the last three games that he's done it, we've had decent leads going into the last sort of 10, 15 minutes. So he's probably just went, ah, you know, may as well, may as well try it. And obviously we've had sort of back as well, but we don't, we don't have the bodies to do it right now, sort of full time. And, and even then, Leon King, he's not played one minute under Michael Beale since he, since he returned to the club. So I think Michael Beale sees something in Suter, obviously, um, you know, and, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But next week, who knows? Who knows? Ross, 3 5 2, yeah, nay? Yeah, in theory, nay, in an old firm. So I, I like the idea of it. It's a dynamic, pacey formation if you get the, the right players in the right places. Uh, not next week, please. Um, we've, we've had some very, very good performances this season, some, some very average performances as well. But um, the, the Hearts game, the Hibs game, Let's go back to those and see what we did well. Three five two. Um, it, it feels like we've been trying it for fifteen twenty minutes here and there. This is this is not the time. Uh, on eighth uh, matters off the park. Uh, yesterday, Ross, there was uh, yeah again another not so much in the ground but outside the ground. There was there was a protest again. You know from the Union Bears uh, against Stuart Robertson and Ross Wilson. And it's, you know, this has been rumbling on for a while. Uh, now, look, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that, well, first of all, I would defend anyone's right to protest. Till my, my last breath, I would I would defend anyone's right to protest. But I also think with, with a right to protest comes a responsibility to use that right wisely and, and not just, you know, do it all the time, so to speak. I, I get the frustrations. I do. I, I totally get them. Uh, I'm, I'm not convinced by Stuart Robertson. I'm not overly convinced by Ross Wilson. But I don't think that equates to, for me anyway, protesting every week. So I'm starting to find it a bit of a pain. You know what I mean? And I'm also, it also kind of pisses me off a wee bit that we never heard any of these dissenting voices when David Murray was driving a club over a cliff, you know, financially and all the rest of it. You know, some people did, you know, uh, you know, the Rangers supporters trust and all that at the time had things to say. And a lot of, a lot of those guys were shouted down, uh, including myself. So I, 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 it pisses me off that no one was, was quite as dissenting back then. But I also, I'm, I'm not convinced that we're at that stage yet, if you know what I mean. We need to make a protest. Certainly not every week. I mean, the Motherwell game the other week there, you know, it was the whole the whole away end had the banners and all that kind of thing. <sighs> Again, I would defend the right to protest. I just, I'm not convinced they're using that right wisely at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I suppose that the principle is that we didn't, raise concerns loudly enough under David Murray, so let's make sure we never do that again and, and, and hold these guys to account properly. And I think that's a very valid and fair point. Um, I have significant concerns about the work that has gone on in the football department, if we put it that way. Obviously, that's that's Ross Wilson's department. That The scouting and the recruitment of players has been one thing. Um, look, we don't know what our players are paid. Um, 
And I would I would really be reluctant and reticent to believe some of the kind of stuff that floats around that Rabbi Matondo's on 30k a week. Um, but Rabbi Matondo should never have been signed. Come on, look at the guy's career. Um, look at where he's been playing. Look at the, the reports that other fans are giving him. It's a bad signing. And there have been a few bad signings, whether it's in terms of the, the, the player profile being wrong. Um, and what, one that confuses me, and I, I take a lot of grief for it, is, is Antonio Cholak. We go on and on and on about the player trading um, model. And then we go and sign a 29-year-old striker. It's not, that doesn't fit the model. Um, and he's, he's actually probably masked that by having a really good first half of the season where he scored a lot of goals. And, and so we've, we've got a good return on him. But we're, the return going forward in terms of resale doesn't exist. Um, or we've signed players who are perpetually crocked by injury. John Suter, Philip Hollander, Kamar Roof. Um, players that we just don't get enough out of or, or, or something in Philip Hollander's case don't get anything out of. Undoubtedly a good player. Same with Kamar Roof, undeniably an excellent footballer. But there's a reason he's come to Rangers and he's not playing at AC Milan or at Liverpool. It's because he can't string five performances together. So I have real concerns about that. I have real concerns about the medical department or the medical side itself. Um, I saw the, 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 the stats in terms of the Rangers injuries this season are incredible. And that falls under the football department as well. So it's not just recruitment, I would question Ross Wilson. It's it's the, the, the whole footballing department. Um, I saw an interesting take, which was that uh, obviously with, with Nico Raskin being out for however long it is now, um, it's almost as if someone at the medical department is applying bandages with a nail gun. Like These guys are just consistently getting injured. So I understand where the frustration comes from. Stuart Robertson... Um, on his job I suppose it's more difficult because we don't really necessarily I guess his job is overseeing everything that's overseeing the bad bits including the football department but also overseeing the good bits like how well we've done commercially recently um, unfortunately I think the bad is kind of outweighing the goods when you then think about things like customer service like the ticketing website um, Rangers missteps in terms of PR and that kind of thing so I can understand where the frustration comes from and I'm the same as you Colin in principle defend anyone's right to protest what I don't think is right is given the nature of the complaints and given the nature of the two people that the complaints are primarily focused on I don't think the matches is the right place to make these protests because the matches those guys aren't visible Actually, the guys who are visible are the guys on the pitch, the players and the management team down there. So I think protesting at the matches, it's it, Tom English again on the on the BBC podcast was saying, what are the Rangers fans actually protesting about? Like you're, you've, you've won 18 of your last 20, one loss, which was at Hamden, and one draw, which was a last minute equaliser against Celtic when we actually played really, really well. So protesting at the matches, I think, is kind of confusing the message a little bit. Um, we're kind of going, we're really unhappy. Not with you, like you guys on the pitch there, you're all fine. And the manager, we're not too bothered about you. We're unhappy at the guys sitting up in the stand. Now, in this day and age where Rangers are ostensibly treating fan media quite seriously and giving some scoops to fan media and giving access to fan media, you would think that there is a, an easier channel for the likes of the union bears or, or whichever fan groups it is that want to to raise those complaints, to actually access the club via the likes of Heart and Hand or whoever else it is that, that has access um, to the club hierarchy. 
so I feel that there are smarter ways of going about these protests than holding up banners at, at, at games where the message becomes slightly confusing, like going, we're really unhappy, but we're still supporting the team, but we're going to hold up banners showing a protest whilst we're supporting the team. That, that doesn't really work for me. If you are protesting against the manager, fine. If you're protesting against the players, fine. That works. Um, I think there's better ways of going about this. And I think, as I said, in, in this day and age where Rangers are given access to fan media, there should be a way to broker that conversation and and to do it a, a little bit more seriously. So I understand where the grievance comes from. I don't necessarily share it with the same passion and vigour that I would be holding up a placard. I was at Fur Park a couple of weeks ago and say probably half of the people held them up. Um, so it's not really for me. Uh, and I don't think that doing it at the games is fair. Particularly, you know, if you're if you're Michael Beale or you're one of the newer players and you see the fans consistently protesting, even though that protest isn't against you, you might not necessarily immediately comprehend that. And I think that must be quite deflating and, and disheartening. So I just don't think we're doing it in the right way. What about yourself, Craig, if you're still there? Uh, I'm still there. The damage has been knocked off his perch. <laughs> is, is this a legitimate protest, a valid protest, or is it becoming a little bit of a sideshow? Um. I had a wee rant about it on uh, on Twitter yesterday to to some people's agreement and disagreement. Um, like every every protest is valid. Um, like yourself, Colin, you know you should be allowed to protest about whatever you want. That is the hallmarks of a of a democracy. Um, but for me, it, it's not so much. Oh, there we are. Um, that's a that's a bit better. Um, it's not so much what they are protesting about is the way in which they are going about it and the effectiveness of it that I certainly questioned yesterday. Um, the protest started after the League Cup final defeat. That was on the 26th of February. We're now sitting at the 2nd of April, more than one month after that. And what's changed? Nothing. Have they both came out and made a statement? Have they said anything? No. It's just been a case of you've been holding up banners and nothing's happened. Now I kind of liken it to if you've got a boss at work that you don't like, what like, and you want change to happen in your work, what do you do? You go around to your employees, you ask them, you know, what is the boss doing well? What is he doing badly? What can we do to improve as a business? You consult like-minded people, and then you take your findings to that person in power, and you say this is what people think, and then you try and lobby change through that way. Can you imagine if you were you hated your boss at work and you were trying to get the business to, to change and you just put up a banner with like a score through their face? The boss is walking in every day just looking at it laughing. They're not going to care. They're still getting paid. You know, they're still supported by uh, the executive board. So I think if you if you if you want to protest against things, you know, fine. But you're not going to get anywhere just by holding up banners. And I've continuously asked the question on this podcast and on other platforms, what is the end game here? And I don't mean in terms of the result, because I know what people want. I know that people want Robertson and Wilson out. But how are you going to get there? What is a plan of action to get there? And right now, I see no plan from anyone. I just see organised chaos, basically. Holding up signs, slogans, etc., um, etc., et because it's trendy. It seems to be the thing now. Oh, hate on Robertson and Wilson. And again, this isn't me, you know, defending these guys. Um, like both of you, 
that there's serious concerns over over whether their positions are tenable or not going forward. But there is a way to go about it. Um, and right now, it is a great between the Union Bells and the board. That's what it is. Um, it's not a great between all fans because how do we know what all fans think? How do we know? You know, without actually consulting them. And, and something that I've I've said before as well is. The communication from Rangers hasn't been great. And that is the first thing that the Union Bells will use against the world. The communication's been bad. But at the same time, what communication have the Union Bells done with normal Rangers fans? You know, have they put out surveys on Twitter or this, that and the next thing saying, what are your concerns about Stuart Robertson and Ross Wilson? And then take it to the board. They've not done that. So how can you gauge the, the actual feeling of every single Rangers fan? You can't. Colin, you mentioned the RST earlier. Part of the reason that they were, well, relatively successful um, in the Rams is because when you looked at them, they were taken a wee bit seriously. They had men of means, people that had, you know, careers in finance, business, um, people that were, you know, pillars of communities. If you look at the Union Bells, with the greatest respect to them, they're mostly young, young boys, you know, a lot of them under the age of 18, even if they are over the age of 18, very little life experience, you know, very little professionalism, and, you know, they're seen as an ultras group, so no one's going to take what they're saying seriously at an executive level, so, and I've, I've look, I know people that are in them, and I've actually spoke to them, I've said, what's the end game here, I've, and I've said to them as well, do you want to do an interview with me, do you want to come on a podcast, and they're like that, no, we don't want to, we don't want to do that, they don't want to show their faces, I understand that, because I know the reputation of, you know, ultras and stuff like that at football games with the police. I get that, but you can't force change if no one knows who you are. Do you know what I mean? So for me, look, I get it. I get the concerns, but they're not going to get anywhere holding up signs. And, you know, that that that's, it's not even my opinion on it. I'm actually going as far as saying it as a fact and nothing will change at this rate. I mean, what, what are we going to do? Are we seriously just going to hold up these signs every day until the end of the season or until they go? Because it's not going to happen. It, the new thing now seems to be that the sign's going to get bigger. So, you know, you had the wee ones at Fir Park a few weeks ago. Then you had the big one in the billboards outside Ibrox. They'll probably project one onto the main stand next week. Then the week after, it might be on the sign centre or the hydro. But if you're just holding up a sign with a scroll through the, its face, nothing's going to happen. And... At the end of the day, if you want the change to happen, you're going to have to go about it and, you know, an actual planned format because nothing's going to change in my opinion. I, I just look at the argument against what, what, what these guys want. I think the club would argue, you know, since Stephen Gerrard arrived, right, so over the last sort of three, four, five years, you know, the club has definitely moved forward. Now, again, I've got concerns, especially when it comes to the stuff revolving around... Uh, you know, how many emails I get a day trying to sell me store stuff, you know, the the, the commercialisation and the monetization of the support and the fan base. Got real concerns about that. Not a big fan of my ideas, all that kind of stuff. I think that's uh, taken a lot of fans out, uh, you know, getting to cup finals and stuff like that. But if, if, if I'm Stuart Robertson, if, if, if I'm Ross Wilson, I'm saying, well, over the last three years, we've won a league title. We've won a Scottish Cup. We've reached a European final. We've reached the Champions League, you know. We've 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 sold uh, Aribo for for a fortune. We've sold Bassey for a fortune. You know that two successes in the model that Ross spoke about earlier on. 
you know, the club is, is on a more stable financial footing. Michael Beale's talking about getting access to a budget for next season that's been above that recent managers have been getting. I get that there's concerns, but I, I just think when you lay it down in those terms, you're like, there's really not a huge amount to be protesting about, in my opinion. I, th- I think when you look at the argument that's going to be coming back to you, and that is, we've won a league, we've won a Scottish Cup, we've reached a European final, uh, we're, we're, we're on the brink of reaching another Scottish Cup final. All these things, you know, we've, we've sold Bassey, we've sold uh, Arrivo, money's coming in, the club's on final, we've reached the Champions League, money's coming in from that. I just, I just think it's, as you say, they need to structure their argument better and mm-hmm. highlight their real concerns and, and go about it in a different way. And it is, it's just becoming a bit of a distraction. I just find it a bit... It does seem to be a trendy thing. You know, it, it seems I, to be the, the thing at the moment that that's that's what happens and it's just an entrenched view against the club and the club not listening or whatever. And then it, it's, it, 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 just, it just becomes a bit tedious, I think. And as you say... The demographic of that group, they're quite young. Uh, they're an ultra group, all that kind of thing. I get that, but I, 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 I don't know. I just, I, I don't think, one, I don't think we're in protesting territory. Because not being happy with someone doing their job doesn't equal protest straight yeah. away. You know what I mean? You, you know, if, you, if you're doing that, you, every single person at the club, you know, there's people on the pitch like, oh, he's shite, that's it, I'm getting a banner out with a face, a, a line <laughs> through his face, you know, where would it stop? So, I don't know, I just don't think it's the right way to go about things. Uh, I get their concerns, I, I, I share some of them, but I'm not convinced, one, that we're, we're at that point where we need to protest, and two, that the argument to protest is that valid, because I think, you know, if the club come back, they'll, they'll, they'll list off the things that I've just said there and say, well, what have you really got to protest about? I get the club dropped the ball after 55. I get that. I think they, they felt they were so far ahead of Celtic that they didn't invest in the, the squad enough at that particular time. I get that. And we've obviously made a hash at this season as well. But overall, I'm, I'm not convinced that uh, there's, there's a strong argument there to be protesting every single week of the game. But hey, I'll defend the right to do it till my, my, my dying day. Uh, Ross, on the, on the sort of budget Michael Beale thing, uh, as I said earlier on, 10th straight win in the league. Uh, he's, he's only had one defeat in 20 games. That was the, obviously the League Cup final. Uh, it just seems that the damage has been done. You know, he, he's he's come in and won ev- every game he could win, basically, and he, he's, he's just not made any headway into that. Uh, headway, sorry, into that lead that Celtic have. But he did, he did talk about on Friday's press are saying that he, he thought he was going to get a really good budget uh, for a range of manager that excelled what previous managers have had in recent years which is positive and I'm, I'm assuming that's based on the sort of some of the commercial success I was talking about there you know Champions League players that have been sold on for, for a lot of money so it seems like you know the manager's going to get the benefit of that come the summer but he needs he needs to spend it wisely I think you know we need to be really smart in our recruitment this summer because when you th- and that's another thing. Rangers are on are on course to, to to get 100 points this season and not win the league. I mean, how can how can you protest about getting 100 points? You know, what I mean, it's, it just seems ludicrous. So it seems to me that if the, if the second half of the season is a blueprint for what we're facing next season, it could come down to the old fun games. It really could because it doesn't look like any other team's got it in them to to be either Celtic or Rangers. So recruitment's key with that with that with that budget. Yeah, recruitment's absolutely key. I, I think that. 
the fact that Rangers and Celtic are both however many games unbeaten in the league um, on, on these incredible runs at the moment suggests that the, the gap between the old firm and the rest is, is wider than it's ever been before um, because no one no one is getting close to either of us at the moment. Um, Michael Beale's comments that I expect to get a really good budget, I mean, that is a really... Not strange comments, but you don't hear managers talking like that very often and being so open and saying, "Yeah, I'm I'm getting money and we're going to go out and spend." Now we all know as fans we expect a rebuild this summer. We probably expected it in January, but acknowledged that we would defer it to the summer and do it properly. So we know there's going to be player turnover, but for the managers to come out and say, "I'm getting money this summer more than anyone's ever had," it's um it's a very sort of novel feeling. I, I don't think I've ever seen a manager do that before. And I suspect, in a way, he's doing that to put a bit of pressure on the board to say, well, I've told the fans we're going to spend money. You're going to have to spend money. We're going to have to go out and get players now. So I, I, I wonder if there's a little bit of power play or dynamics or politics going on there where the manager's trying to force the board already to get ready for a big summer. Like, I've told the fans are spending money, so you're going to have to back me. Now, the problem with that is um, it's possibly similar to what Geo faced. Geo also at the start of the summer transfer window, getting on for a year ago now, suggested that there was money to spend and that he could spend it to bring in players that he wanted. Then when he didn't really bring many players, he brought in Cholak and one or two others, um, it, it, it kind of gave off the impression that either the boards aren't backing the manager or the manager's happy with what he's got. Um, so Beal's now said that if Beal doesn't spend a lot of money this summer, we're either going to be in this weird position where it looks like the boards haven't backed their man or that Beal hasn't been able to go out and secure the players that he wanted, um, which wouldn't reflect well in either situation. So I think I think he's forcing the board's hand. I think he's forcing them to act um, and saying, get ready because it's going to be a big summer. As a fan, I expect to see high turnover. I expect to see five or six new faces minimum this summer. Um, and I'll be disappointed if we don't get that. We all know the key areas, the, um, the, the goalkeeper, the striker, the centre-halves, the wings that we need to reinforce. Um, and I think I think this is just Michael Beale making sure that we're lined up and ready to, to, to crack on with that. Craig, a final comment on yesterday's game. Uh... It's quite a laugh seeing Dungeon United struggle on it. It's a bit of a hoot considering the relationship we've got with them. You know, I mean, they really are a poor, poor side, and and the prospect of them being relegated again. You know, since since we made our journey through the leagues uh, in two thousand and twelve, I must admit, it's a small, it's the small wins in life that, that that make life worth living. I think. Do you know what? I just really want the Wagner videos to come back. Honestly. <laughs> See if we can get that going again. That'll be worth Dundee United getting relegated just for that alone. Yeah, I mean, couldn't they, couldn't they really get Hamlin to a better club, could it? Um, you know, not just their behaviour towards us, you know, 2012 onwards. I think their behaviour at Ibrox in uh, September after the Queen's death as well. Um, you know. You love to see it, as they say, and uh, I think that's all, all I'm going to see on that one. But yeah, bring that's back it. Wagner. <laughs> anything, anything that gets it up, Jim Spence, is, is always a good thing, in my opinion. Uh, right, Ross, on to next week. So obviously, you know, the big game next Saturday, I think it's a half-twelve kick-off uh, over at Celtic Park. You know, 
as Craig pointed out earlier on, two two of the last three performances over there have been really poor and the results, you know, embarrassing results really. So really need to show a lot more than that. There's no away fans obviously which 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 could have an impact. Uh, obviously a wee bit of a sweat over over Nico Raskin. Uh, maybe he won't be fit enough to play. So yeah, it's I think that I think the main thing uh, I'm looking at is you know, if 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 you if you were to offer me the what game I wanted to win out the next three that we've got against Celtic, it's obviously the semi final because I think you know it stops them doing a treble. Uh, it's it's our best chance to silverware and all that kind of thing. But a wee win next week would you know maybe just put a wee bit of doubt in our heads it would maybe start to oh, get a bit of a wobble. But I, I I just want us to see us put on a really good performance. You know what I mean? Because two out of the last three, as Craig said, have been deplorable. That one at the start of the season was embarrassing. Uh, and I would like to see a couple of individuals who have been in the team in those performances, nowhere near the team next Saturday. You know, I, th- I think we need to see some of the players that, that maybe didn't make the cup final uh, come in next week. Yeah, I think we probably all acknowledge that Michael Beale got the cup final wrong. Um and arguably, it's well, certainly the biggest, arguably the only major or real mistake he's made in his time as Rangers manager was, was that lineup and formation in the cup final. So this for me is about a bit of redemption for him. Choose the right team, choose the right shape and structure and the right attitude and, and really go after it. Because if we are 2-0 down at halftime and putting up another damp squib of a performance, um, it's going to be really miserable and really toxic. So, yeah, the no, the no fans thing, I've been thinking, is that going to make a difference? Is it not? Um, I'm not so sure that it will. You know, really, the, the, I think the, the, the players need to be professional. They've all played in, um, in the times of COVID where there were no fans. Um, obviously, the Rangers and Celtic had that little time a couple of years ago where, again, there were no away fans. Um, I remember being at Ibrooks and, and watching us beat them with, with no away fans. So... I don't know that that will have a huge impact on the game. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you. Look, I, I feel that, and, and again, it's what Michael Beale's own comments were, even if we win, the goalposts move, but they only really move a tiny bit because Celtic are so far ahead and they've been so dominant for the last four months. So the Cup semi-final is, is more important, but this is now, this is about redemption. This one, this is about attitude and a few players showing what they're made of. I, I agree. I, uh, let's be honest, let's name players. The likes of John Lundstrom have been a disappointment in these fixtures. Um, and I would not like to see him. I don't think he deserves a start in place. If, if Raskin is fit, I would like to see him start. Um, there's going to be all sorts of questions and conundrums about attacking midfield into, into the striker position. Black, Morelos, Sakala, Kent, Tillman, Cantwell, how do you fit them all in? Um, the answer is you can't. So Michael Beale's got massive decisions to make. Um, he needs to prove to the fans that he's learned his lesson after the last time. Um, and some of those players owe us a good performance there. So um, I, it's it's the kind of game that if this if it weren't at this stage of the season, you'd probably be saying, oh, we'd, we'd take a point. Um, obviously a point does us absolutely no favours and a point steals the league for them in, in all honesty. So we have to go there, we have to win, um, but I'm, I'm really just looking for a, a good performance and, and the right attitude. And Craig, final, I'll leave the, the, the final point to you. It, it, it feels like it could be a big one for Beal as well because, you know, 
I think I think he got it wrong in the last ten minutes in that game in January. I think he shut up shop too early with his substitutions. I think he gave Celtic a bit of hope and they went for it. And obviously they got the goal late on. And he obviously got his team completely wrong in, in that cup final in February. So, you know, there's some players, as, as Ross pointed out there, that owe us a performance. But I think maybe Beal owes us one as well in these games because, you know, we've, we've, we've been so dominant in the other games. We should have won that game in January, there's no doubt about it. I think he got his subs wrong and, and gave them a wee glimmer of hope and it, it was enough to get them the, the equaliser. And he got it totally wrong. I mean, everything in that cup final from the start in 11 to when he made the subs and, and who he brought on for the subs and when he brought them on, I just felt from from start to finish he got it wrong. Yeah, well, you know what they say: third times a charm. So third game against Celtic, it might be the one to pay off. I mean, that that is probably the only mistakes that Bill has made in his time as Rangers manager. Like you're going to make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes in life. It's about how you learn from and from and, and what you do in the future. Um, what will be really interesting is that after next Saturday, Michael Bealove have experienced as a Rangers manager every old firm game in every possible stadium you can play an old firm game in so we'll have a direct record to speak there if we go there and you know get beat next Saturday it means you've played Celtic three times and you've not managed to beat them once it means that you've not beaten them at Ibrox, Celtic Park or Hamden um, so for me it's not about the league now it's about it's about going and doing everything that you can um, professionally to show that you know the gap isn't as big as what a lot of people are making out and I don't think it is in terms of actual quality on the pitch and individual players but it's when you know it's up there for me where a lot of these Rangers players are just they just don't seem to have it um, it, it will be a bit of a feather in the cap if he can go there and win you know on a positive note the way that I look at it three games left to play Celtic this season if you win three then that means Michael Beale's played Celtic and Postacoglu five times you've won three you've drawn one and you've lost one that's not a bad record. That's a very good record. And if you replicate that record going into next season, along with the form in all the other games, then you win a, you win the league. So, you know, for me, it's about going there, trying to get a win, not a draw win, because we expect to win at this club. Probably would, as, as Ross sort of touched on, if it's the games in January, whatever, and the league's tight, ah, you would take a point. It's, it's cool. Walter Smith style. Um, but, you know, but I think we need to go there and win, put on a show for the, the fans that'll be watching it um on the telly. Um and kinda shut them up a wee bit as well. You know, they've lorded over it, um lorded over it, sorry for you know the last the last year and a bit after we did it for them for a season. So we we need to give something back. Um and you know, we haven't won at Celtic Park since the um the COVID season with Goldson. We've only won twice there and mm. 12 years now so you know in recent times not many Rangers managers have went to to Celtic Park and won so Stephen Gerrard is the only one to have done it in the last 12 years obviously Bill was there as the assistant so you know it's a big opportunity for these players to to go there show that they can show up in these big games and you know if they do we'll see what happens but for me it's about that and certainly setting themselves up for, for the game at Hamden which as um, both of you have alluded to is absolutely the most important out of those three games against Celtic. I think Colin's just disappeared. We've lost Colin, haven't we? Right to the end as well. <laughs> do you know what, Craig? I think you should do the wrap-up then. 
All right, fair enough. I don't have a script here, but I'll do it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us on the Gelsnet podcast this evening. I've just had a little battery um, notification from my laptop as well, so I might die as well. Um, so just a reminder, guys, uh, the podcast will be available tomorrow on all your usual podcast providers, um, such as Spotify and the likes. Um, and yeah, thanks very much for listening to us. Colin got the sponsor message in anyway, and we'll see you real soon. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Bye-bye.